Welcome to Water from the Well, a work of the Church of Christ in Santa Clara. Okay, I'm here with Scott Ruska, and I appreciate you being with me here today. We're going to talk a little bit about Scott, about his life as a Christian, and, and his conversion from being an atheist to a Christian. Thanks for being with me today, Scott. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. All right. Uh, so tell me a little bit about uh, your life growing up. Uh, just uh, before becoming a Christian, uh, what was your life like? What was your re religious background, if any? And I know that, that uh, you were an atheist before you became a Christian. So how was home life like for you? Okay. Well, uh, so I grew up on the Gulf Coast of Texas in, in Houston in the 50s. And in that time, uh, it was kind of a social expectation that one belonged to a church. It was the respectable thing to do. And my mother was very committed to being respectable. Mm -hmm. And so we belonged to a church. We belonged to a denomination. And depending kind of on where my mother was at the moment, we might attend fairly regularly, meaning Sunday mornings, mm -hmm. or we might not for some period of time. But we were identified with and belonged to that denomination. Right. So I was brought up in an environment where I not infrequently went to Sunday classes, Sunday school, and therefore I knew some of what at a child's level, right, some of what was in the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of what I, I took out of my childhood. Uh, as I got into my teenage years, I did my grandmother. My grandmother encouraged me to read the Bible. She was mm -hmm. devout. She was not a, uh, a member of the Church of Christ, but she mm -hmm. was devout. And I did some. And in doing that reading, I did find things that I found hard to square with the practice of our denomination, mm -hmm. as you might expect. Right. So those were questions, but at least with my limited social skills at the time, I did not know people to answer those questions. So those simply became unresolved questions right, in the right. back of my mind. Uh, so I went to uh, college as a, as a nominal member of a denomination, and there I, I committed myself to science. That was my ambition for many of those years. I wanted to be a research scientist, <clears throat> so I went into science curriculum. And in that curriculum in a secular university, I soon encountered people who gave me to understand that um, this childhood faith pass away. There's something that children are told. And when you become an adult, and particularly when you become a learned adult, because you're going to go to college and a scientific adult, that you set those things aside, that right. we, uh, we value experiment, we value theory, we, we don't value spiritual beliefs. Right. And since those people were charismatic and confident and very intelligent in their fields, I inclined to their opinion, accepted their opinion. Yeah. So I left college uh, with no uh, commitment to spiritual things. And mm -hmm. then I went on to graduate school, which was more of the same. So uh, by the time I reached kind of the middle of life, my early 30s, I was <clears throat> uh, had no regard for spiritual things. Mm -hmm. If you'd asked me, you know, what is your belief, I probably would have said agnostic, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know, mm -hmm. which really, I think, is often a cop-out for just not taking a position and right. avoiding an uncomfortable discussion. I agree. Yeah. But functionally, I was an atheist. I, you know, Psalms 14.1 uh, talks about the fool has said in his heart, yeah. there is no God. Mm -hmm. I was that fool, and I said in my heart, there is no God. Right. Uh, spiritual things had no grip on me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so would you say really it was your exposure to, to science and, and this um, uh, wisdom mm -hmm. that you uh, learned from college that really sort of uh, led you uh, more to being an atheist and having more of an influence over you 
than than what you were exposed to on a religious part of, of things, or do you? Do you because some people, the religion drives them away from the mm. Lord because they're so disillusioned by what they experience. Okay, right. I, I don't uh, think I had any particular sense of disillusionment. Mm-hmm. Um, I never, though, got a particular sense of commitment either. It right. was more a, a social expectation and a ritual, and I was in a fairly ritualistic denomination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and my kind of early, perhaps, uh, yearnings, you might say, towards some sort of deeper commitment uh, d- did not pan out. Yeah, yeah. So so I wouldn't say I was driven away in any way. I mm-hmm. was just uh, pretty much adrift, and then I uh, drifted into a different harbor, if you will, right, uh, right. Which, which I did kind of set my course by from yeah, then on out. Yeah. It's interesting because in Romans chapter 1, it talks about professing to be wise. Mm-hmm. They exchanged, you know, the glory of God right. for these other things. Correct. And, uh, and I, I believe you're right. I remember in college, I really felt like I started to be separated a little bit from any kind of thoughts of spiritual things because mm-hmm. I found wisdom in, yes. in what they were teaching there and, the, the, you know, all of the, the worldly things. And, and so you feel like if you don't grasp onto those things that there's something wrong with you or you aren't as smart as everybody else. So you have a tendency to, to take on those ideas. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that same passage, I think, talks about worshiping the creation rather than the creator. That's right. Well, you think about it, that's kind of what... Uh, uh, science does, and I need to be fair to science, not mm-hmm. science so much, but a philosophy called scientism, right? Yeah. Which holds that only the things of science matter. That's worshiping the creation. That's right. The creation formed itself. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to realizing there's a creator. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what were some beliefs that you had, scientific or otherwise, that have changed since your conversion? Okay. Well, let me talk about, um, and these are fresh in my mind because I will talk about them more tonight. Okay. Um, I'd say, sort of a long answer, excuse me. There, there's maybe five things that, that if, if you're going to speak to someone from the Bible, if we're mm-hmm. going to pick up a Bible and say, look, the answer to your question is in here, look, there's five things that we have to believe to that. And one is that, that there is a God. Yeah. Right? That, that God exists. Um, the second is that he's a loving God. He, you know, you, people have believed in gods which don't care much about mankind, but that he's a loving God. And that's uh, Hebrews, I think it's 11.4, uh, without faith it's impossible to mm-hmm. please him because he who comes to God must believe that he is. That's mm-hmm. common sense, right? Yeah, yeah. And that he is a rewarder, right, mm-hmm. of those who seek him. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, because he is and he loves us, he cares what we do day to day. He cares what we say. He cares yeah. what we do with our bodies. He cares what we, what we think, how we treat people. You know, people can believe there's a God, a loving God, but mm-hmm. not that he, that he actually is going to uh, observe and care about your behavior. Right. We, we believe that. Mm-hmm. And then we believe that since he cares what we do, we don't have to guess what he wants us to do mm-hmm. because he's told us. Don't have to reason it out. Don't have to read complicated books about it. He's told us. And we believe that that is the Bible. That revelation yeah, is the Bible. Right. So I say those five things are mm-hmm. kind of fundamental. Mm-hmm. And as an atheist, I believe pretty much the opposite of those five things. There's probably not a God. If it does, it doesn't matter to me. Right. Uh, I don't see a lot of evidence of love around me here, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't care about my behavior, which is 
I don't, that's good to me because I know that my behavior wouldn't be approved, right? Right, you right. Know, the you know, suspicion people have of the Bible and, and all of those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, it occurred to me that there, there do seem to be two types of atheists. There's one who, um, and, and, you know, I would put myself in that class because, at, you know, at a certain point I was, I was so uh, confused about what was going on uh, religiously, I just sort of gave up on mm-hmm. religion. And just decide to live my life without regard to God. Mm-hmm. And there's that type of atheist that just sort of lives without regard to God. But then there's the atheist that is really against God, that attacks God on every front. And anybody who believes in God, they'll make sure to make a point to insult them, um, all kinds of blasphemy against God, and they, they live in that way. Do, do you think that uh, you might have an idea w- what the difference is between those two or what might drive one to be one way or the other? Well, I'll speculate on it, uh, and I, I absolutely recognize what you're talking about. I, I call that second variety evangelical atheists. Mm-hmm. There's atheists who don't believe in God and don't care much about what you believe. Yeah. There's atheists who don't believe in God, and it's wrong that you believe in it, and they want to fix you. Right. Right. And we're talking about the second kind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why, why would you be so emotionally committed? And I can sp- speculate uh, perhaps a couple of causes, and this is purely speculation. Mm-hmm. I've never, I don't think I've ever sat down and had a heart-to-heart with anybody like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but one perhaps is, as you said, a disillusion mm-hmm. with uh, religion. Actually, I recall a book which I've heard called The Atheist Bible by a young man who used to be a preacher and evangelist and yeah. basically found that what he was doing was corrupt. Mm-hmm. I think that's grooved him to right, not only right. uh, ignore Christianity, but to want to destroy it. Yeah. And the other may well be, I think, a passion that comes from a kind of logic that if there is a God, then I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. For various yes. reasons. And I don't want to be in trouble. I don't want to change my life. And therefore, there must not be a God. Right. And I must attack any any indication mm-hmm. that there is. Mm-hmm. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. And I, you may have your own. That's, no, that's I would, a, I would yeah. agree 100%. And it's interesting because, you know, I've, I've known a few folks that have, have fallen away who, in essence, became atheists. And that's how they are. They mm-hmm. want to attack the church and tear down anything that has to do with the church. And I think it is a reaction of guilt. Mm-hmm. And the reaction of, you know, that I want to live my life in this way. I refuse to believe that it's wrong, and so I, I refuse to believe that I'm going to be punished for it or that there is a, even a punisher out there mm-hmm. to punish me for it. But in that case, I don't want to hear about it. And I want to strike down anything that, that exists that makes me remember that. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting that there, there is that. But I've always, I've always thought to myself, well, if you don't believe that something exists, then why attack it? Why do you feel the need to attack it or spend this time and energy in attacking it? Just leave folks alone and let them believe what they want to. And one point I like to make when I get a chance is that, uh, to be sure, Christianity is an act of faith. Mm-hmm. We believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those right. who seek him. Uh, pure atheism, the assertion that there is no God is an absolute truth, must also be an act of faith because yeah. neither of those can be conclusively proven. That's right. what faith is. It's a decision to yeah. accept as true that which you can't conclusively prove. So don't if you, if you are an evangelical atheist, don't tell me that I, you're attacking all faith because you must – to, to say I don't know – that's not an act of faith. But to say, I do know, and there is no God, that is a statement of faith. That's right. That's right. Very good. Thank you. Um, 
I'm going to ask you, having been an atheist before, what influenced you most to open your mind to the existence of God? Well, I was I was not influenced into that by, you know, rational argument, and that mm-hmm. maybe seem odd because I've devoted a good part of my life to trying to be uh, conscientious in rational argument. What influenced me was seeing Christian life, Christian love, mm-hmm. in action. Yeah, uh, Jesus said. And, so John thirteen, thirty four and five, uh, he said, "A new commandment I give you: love one another as I have loved you." Which is a, a, a impressive measurement, as yeah. I have loved you. But then he said, "By this all men will know that you are my disciples, right. that you love one another." And that I am the, I am the uh, indication of that. Mm-hmm. I saw, uh, I met Christians, and I saw that they had uh, something going on in their life mm-hmm. that was better and. Uh, deeper than I was experiencing in my life outside of the faith. And that that thing I now know was Christian love. People use that Greek word, agape, Christian Mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. That influenced me to say, these people have something. I do not understand it, but I'm willing, I want to understand it. I'm willing to do it, I guess, on their terms. So I'm willing to go take another look at their book. Yeah, yeah, good, good. You know, I'm gl- I'm glad you shared that, especially this morning. Um, the way that you um, shared that almost as a modern day miracle, mm-hmm. because I've often thought that, and I've I've talked about it before myself that you know back in in the New Testament days they had their ID cards basically that I'm a messenger of God, and that was through the miracles that they were able to do the signs and wonders. Mm-hmm. But today we don't have those miraculous ones, but we do have something that we are told to do yes. as far as identifying ourselves, and that's the love we have for one another. And yes. you can't discount that because you were influenced by it. I was influenced by it. I've heard a number of people say that they've been influenced by it when they come and visit us here. Um, there was a young lady uh, came from, from China over here, and uh, she, was, um, she was speaking, and the whole congregation was, it was a congregational meeting, and she talked about what influenced her to to be with us because she when she first came over here she wasn't a Christian but she became a Christian she said one of the things that influenced her was the love that we had for one another so it's a it's a real tool that we have to influence people and convert people um, but I don't think that we we think about that enough and we don't under, understand the power of it that it has to take that first step for us and open up people's hearts to to the gospel yes and of course the Lord promised us that. Yeah. We've told I think that people who grew up in the church, we, we've, we've talked some about advantages and disadvantages mm-hmm. of having been, as they say, raised in the pew, grew mm-hmm. up in the church, may well take that Christian love for granted. They, yeah. they think that uh, that's what they've always seen people doing. That's and they, right. uh, I think, kind of assume that that's what all people do, but it's not what all people that's do. Right. And those who are not familiar with it find yeah. it, uh, yes, uh, a wonder, a wonderful thing. Right, right. So now having gone through the conversion yourself from atheist to Christian, um, do you feel better equipped to talk to an atheist about God because you have that background? Or do you think it just sort of doesn't matter? <laughs> <laughs> well, now that's, that's a really thought-provoking question because we just talked about how I think argumentation is probably not the place to start. Mm. And, and, you know, I would love to say that I've been able to have those conversations and bring many people to Christ, and I cannot do that. I have not been right. so successful. Um, I do think it's helpful, though, to at least understand uh, the framework 
I think if you're going to speak persuasively to anyone on any subject, I think you need to understand where they are and, and the framework underneath their thinking. Yeah. And I do think that I, the experience of that, and yeah. I think that's something, again, that if you, if you have always had that set of Christian beliefs that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. it may be harder to really believe, except that other people don't, but other people do not. And that, that, yeah. that we have. Yeah. You know, and I, I think uh, both of us could speak to the, the fact that, you know, um, and one of the reasons why I asked that question is because I, I agree with you that it's hard to, to figure out what to say to someone in that position because uh, I know that for me, people could say all kinds of things to me and it wouldn't necessarily convince me. But what it was, again, going back to what we just talked about, was, was the life that I saw in front of me, the life that people were leading, the things that they were doing, and their own faith that made me think, well, what's there? And it made me investigate it. And I think the fact that we both have that background can help us because at times we can realize, you know what? I don't think that there's much I can say to that person right now. Let me use a different strategy. Let me mm-hmm. use the strategy that worked with me. Mm-hmm. And so we look for opportunities to, to show the person who we are as Christians and, and, and use that approach. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think as, as you've been sharing your life, that's one of the things that I've seen you Express that I think could be mo- most useful to, to people. And it, it, you don't have to have been an atheist before to do that. You just need to know to use your life and, yes. and you know, shine your light in front of, of people and let that influence them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in this day and age, this society, there seems to be certain challenges um, that, that we're faced with as Christians. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that, uh, you know, they will study science. They'll mm-hmm. study other, you know, denominations. And um, and I think there's a challenge out there for us to, to present the truth. Um, do you have any tips or any ideas that you have as far as how we should approach people in, in society today to get them to open up their mind to the gospel? Well, I, I have thoughts. Um, and I guess... I would maybe start here with, uh, I think we're perhaps most likely to be engaged by people in society about the topics of the day. Um, I think uh, uh, a not unusual thing is somebody saying, well, you're a Christian, right? So how can you possibly believe the earth was made in seven days, right? Right. I do believe that to have a worthwhile discussion there, we need to start not with a discussion about, you know, what was found in this rock or does radiocarbon dating work. But um, let me explain to you. uh, I'm going to answer your question, but let me explain to you how I get there. Okay. Right? I would say that to somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, try to understand where I'm coming from. And if you don't get where I'm coming from, that's cool. Mm -hmm. But then I can't really answer your question. Right. Because, you know, this is the, the groundwork on that. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's fair. I know Jesus uh, said to the Pharisees once, I'm going to ask you a question first. And that's if you right. can't, uh, can't deal with that, then I'm not going to answer your that's question. Right. And I would put in that discussion those five things we talked about. Right. I believe there's God. I believe he's loving. Mm-hmm. I believe he cares mm-hmm. what we do. Yeah. Um, and what we believe, including where the world came from, and I don't believe we have to guess or deduce it or work it out or use experimentation because I believe we have a revelation. Yeah. And I believe we have that revelation uh, passed down to us and printed on 
pages in our language in the Bible. That's right. You know, I love what you said in your sermon earlier because uh, you were talking about the fact that, you know, just sort of like having these disputes over these little things really didn't matter much. Mm-hmm. And you, you gave your um, instance that when you were converted, then those things, the, the, the truth came naturally. Right. You didn't have to then go and, and be convinced about evolution or anything like that. You were convinced uh, about Jesus and what he did for you. you. Once you committed yourself to that, then the Bible tells you the truth about everything that you need to know. Yes. And, um, and I thought that was really good, a really good way to approach that. And um, um, it's, it's really subtle what we need to really do in order to convert people. But uh, as, as the, the sister said earlier today, um, sometimes we aren't patient enough. We want to really sit down and, okay, well, what verses can we show them to get them in the water? Yes. You know, without us, us using the real tools that God gave us and, you know, shine your light. Let them know that you believe first and then, sh- and then let them follow you into, into belief. Our society encourages us to be uh, results-oriented, to have a plan, to have things worked out. Um, and uh, waiting for your light to penetrate somebody may not be easy to write down in a plan. That's and right. so I think we are, as you say, tend to push. Let me do things that I can schedule and accomplish. I observe that God doesn't always work in our schedule. No, he sure doesn't. <laughs> It takes years sometimes of things that we might expect in minutes, right? Yes, and vice versa. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and so overall, as a Christian, uh, you know, reaching out to the world, do you think that our actions are more important than the words that we say? Yes, and I would say, number one, along the lines of what we're talking about, I think fundamentally they influence people more. But I would also say that if um, our words can be, if our actions are not, in accordance with our words, mm-hmm. then our words are totally invalidated. That's right. Let me say that one more time. <laughs> I'm not sure I said it clearly, <laughs> right? If, if we have our people words and our actions uh, belie those words, then the words were useless. Right. So you right. can't can't start the words, I don't think, until yeah. you have the actions. That's right. I, I was uh, teaching a high school class, and I, taught, I told them, if I was sitting here in class and I told you guys that this building was on fire, um, and I just sat here and I continued to teach. I said, how many of you would get up and run out? They were like, none of us, because you're sitting there. You're not going anywhere. I said, but if I hop up and I run out of this room as fast as I can, how many, without saying a word, how many of you would probably follow me? And it's probably all of us because we would sense that something's wrong because yes. he got up and he left. And so um, I taught them, you know, that's really how it is as a Christian lives their life. If you're telling people this and that, but then they look at you and they see that you don't seem to believe it, then they're going to think that you don't really believe it. And so our our actions, what we do, um, when we talked about our wives and, you know, we observed faithful women who were living their lives in a certain way, that got our interest. And they didn't have to say a word to us. We saw what they were doing it, and it made us think, well, what uh, what's driving them to live their lives in that way. And that seems to be one of the, the keys in living our lives as, as Christians, wouldn't you say? Indeed. Yeah. Absolutely. Good, good. All right. Well, um, tonight you're going to talk to us a little bit uh, in, your, in the evening sermon about uh, how we reach out to those in, in a secular world and how we draw them into to consider spiritual ideas. Is there anything you'd like to share with us sort of as a preview of what you're going to talk about tonight? Well, I think that uh, a lot of things we've talked about in our discussion so far 
are, are, are leading that direction. Um, I want to talk about uh, the difference in worldviews between a Christian and a, an unbeliever in the world around us today, because mm-hmm. that is the world we need to be talking to. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about some of the elements of the beliefs and compare them. <clears throat> I also want to talk about a couple of, if you will, applications of that. I want to talk about the argument that we often hear that, uh, well, you people have faith, but I have logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, faith and logic are not opposites. And uh, the secular worldview also stems from assumptions, and I want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about the thing that we hear that um, uh, Christians hate hate people who do not have a lifestyle they approve of. Right. Um, Which I think comes from a misunderstanding of a number of things, and I want to spend a little time Mm -hmm. on that. So that's kind of what I wanted to cover tonight. Well, great, great. And what I want to uh, talk to our listeners about, by the time this podcast is uh, is out there, uh, that lesson, as well as the one you did this morning from, from Atheist to Elder, uh, should both be online at truthseekers.org, so you can go over there and listen to uh, either one of those podcasts. Um, I'm sorry, not the podcast, but you can go over there and listen to either one of those sermons because they will be online at that time. Well, good. Um, I want to thank you. And before we close... I'd like to clarify one thing. As you know, I've been here spending the day. It's been a wonderful day. I've had a number of kind of questions, and some of those questions suggest that I may not be perfectly clear about something. I'd like to be perfectly clear here today. I talked about my evolution from an atheist to an elder. I served as an elder for 13 years in a congregation in New Mexico. I did step down from that position three years ago, and so I'm no longer serving as an elder. I currently worship... In a church here in California, I'm just not serve as an elder. I'm delighted to, to be a member of that congregation. I want to make that clear. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that with us um, and, and sharing with us your life, right. you know, what you've gone through, what, what led you to the Lord. And I, I uh, want to sincerely pray for those out there who don't know the Lord that you, know, you might take a, uh, a similar path to finding him. To which I would say amen. Amen, and thank, thank you for having me. Thanks. Thank you for listening. For more about us, check us out at truthseekers.org. There you'll find our links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.